Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel. Today, I'm with Justin of the Glitch Mob. Hello. <laughs> I was born in Goleta, which is a little suburb north of Santa Barbara on the beautiful California coast. Were your parents born there as well? Or? No, my mom's from Texas and my dad was from Southern California. And then since a young age, you've already been interested in like computers and stuff, like your grandpa got you a computer. That's right. Yeah, I had a computer from age four and I had a, an Apple IIgs and I always was um, messing with them and that's kind of how I got into music was really through computers although I had a lot of music in my house growing up my mom and dad were both really into the Grateful Dead and Bob Marley so there's a lot of that sort of music and uh, Led Zeppelin and yeah then during, during high school I had a computer and I was just learning how to make techno and I got really into jungle and drum and bass and so that was really my entry point into music mm -hmm. and since you were young you're already interested in books right like your grandma had a bookstore in like was it North Carolina or something yeah it was she had a bookstore in the East Bay and um, I always had books around me I'm a big big reader I still read every day and um, books are so such an important part of my life but I was really grateful to be surrounded by them from such a young age and I actually worked at the bookstore when I was about five years old. Oh. I, I worked at the, um, the the children's department where I managed all the Berenstein Bears books. Oh. <laughs> what kind of, like, do you remember the first record you bought? The first record I ever bought was Red Hot Chili Peppers Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Mm -hmm. And that was the one that I, I bought with my own money. And then my mom took it away from me because she read the lyrics. <laughs> and they're, they're so bad. And then she actually gave it to my friend's older brother, who, yeah. was, who was 20. And then he sold it back to me for $20. Oh my God. And I kept it hidden under my bed for years. And when my mom was asleep, I would listen to it on my headphones. That song, Sir Psycho Sexy, is such a good album. It's so classic. Yeah. And Metallica was a huge part of your like, musical upbringing, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Metallica too. When we recently got to do a remix of them, that was a pretty big moment for for me, just because they uh, they were so influential for me growing up. I mean, that the Black album is still one of the best albums. It's, it's just such deep, dark, powerful music. I, I really I love it. I can listen all the time. But yeah, that was that was big. I was oh no, oh no, this guy almost crashed. Yeah. Okay, man. Crashed his bike. Yeah. And then you learn how to, like, DJ. You, like, bought turntables off Craigslist. That's right. Um, <clears throat> bought turntables off Craigslist. I went to a record store in the middle of the desert in Hesperia, California, when I was 15 or 16 with a friend and bought them. And then I DJed in my mom's living room. Um, and bless her heart for allowing me to sit there and train wreck all day. But I just had, had one drum and bass record that I would sit and mix back and forth all day long and it was, it was really impactful the fact that she just let me let me do that there and blast my rave music which she did not understand <laughs> at all what careers were they in uh, my my mom was a teacher oh and um my father who's passed away now was uh was into electrical engineering oh so where did you get your 
creative side from? I don't know. I mean, there is, there, they, we're not artists growing up. My mom was very, was always very artistic. My, my sister is more uh, left brain, science minded. Uh, she's a doctor. And I was always sort of the creative person who's into music and filmmaking and painting and all that sort of stuff. But it's really fortunate to have a family that just encouraged me to do whatever I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, none of, none, no one in my family was actually an artist or a musician or anything. So, but when I went to do that, they were very supportive of me just being myself. Mm-hmm. Did you like school growing up? I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. I was more interested in nature and music. I was pretty good at school, but you know, I was just like a solid B student. What happened after high school? Um, and in high school, after high school, I went to uh, UC Santa Cruz because mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to be a film major. And I loved filmmaking. And it was a very creative task. It was, a, it was a, a creative pursuit because it was all about, at UC Santa Cruz was more theoretical. It was not about trying to get a job making film. And, but then I started writing my own music to these films and that's why I just completely fell in love with it. And there was also a big underground outdoor rave scene in Santa Cruz, um, a lot of outdoor parties. And that's where I started actually getting to play gigs and I would, I would carry speakers to these parties and I worked um, at a venue where I would give DJs rides to the airport so I could ask them questions. On, on how to how to compress drums and how they would do everything <laughs> in their career. Um, so that's where everything really started to, to to connect for me. And then you graduated, and then where were you were you working for a company? Yeah. So and I I graduated. Um, had an electronic music minor. They had a program there that taught a lot of experimental electronic music techniques. And I graduated and moved to San Francisco and worked there for a couple years doing all sorts of random jobs. And really, I was producing music in my little bedroom in, in South of Market with some friends um, who live below me. His, his name is Sander, who's also known as Eprom, who's a producer now. And he and I would make, make tracks together. And um, that's really where everything started to connect for me. But it was really just a weekend thing and a nights and weekends thing. And you know, I never, I never thought in my wildest dreams that it would actually be my day-to-day job, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Were you still working there when the glitch mob formed? Yeah, I was still. I worked for a while actually. Um, Ed also had a full-time job, and on after Friday evening when I was done with work, I would hop on a plane in SFO and fly to wherever we were going to play fly to festivals, fly to uh, LA to, to meet them, and then we would DJ all weekend and um, go back Monday morning fresh, ready for work. And did you also start some like photography app? Yeah, so I, um, I have a friend who's a developer and a friend who's a designer, and I always love making art, making visual art, and um, it was sort of a natural progression of creativity for me. Um, to get into doing app stuff, although I don't actually design and code, but I had an idea for an app, so I, I just asked my friends and we put together this app called Hyperspective. That's a mm-hmm. video and photo app. Um, that's something that I work on on the side. Really, it's more. It's, it's, I see it kind of like writing, like writing music. It's a it's a creative project, although it's a it's a product. It's really just another piece of of uh, creative creativity, and it's a, a creative tool set. Mm-hmm.
And can you explain more about the post that you did on, was it Medium, about Glitch Mob getting their groove back? Oh man, what, is, what was that one about? I. It was about like, you were putting the album and you weren't sure like the reception of it and the outcome That's right. of it. That's right. Um, so that, that post on Medium was about how we took a risk with the album and how really we went from making more dance floor music that was a bit safer and really just putting our heart out there and using music as a way of processing life and of, of um, it can be therapeutic. So for us, we just wrote an album that simply was a, um, a look into our current emotional state. And when you go into the studio every day and you're just pouring whatever you have out and that becomes the, the stuff that you're working with, and it's then that's that's to us that's how we like to make timeless music you know it's not tied to a particular time or a place as much as it's just as it's just music so for us that really ended up defining our whole career because there was a moment where we we could have bisected and gone and made more dance floor heavy bass music that was right around the time the dubstep was starting to happen in 2008 and we were part of that world but we really just broke off and went and made something that was much more of a diary piece Mm -hmm. than dance music. And how did you find the findings of like, was it Sam Harris, Oliver Sacks? Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of Oliver Sacks. Have you read his stuff before? No, I haven't, just from your blog. Oh, he's really good. Um, he's, he's a, a, Oliver Sacks is a neurologist that is, has passed away a couple years ago, but he wrote this book called Musicophilia that really affected me. Um, and it's basically about how music has therapeutic use beyond just the enjoyment of music and he would use music therapy to actually bring people back to life um, in certain ways where people would have neuro neurodegenerative diseases and they couldn't uh, they couldn't use their their body and then they would he would start to play the music and then people would start to get up and dance and have memory come back so he really just studied the way in which music works in the brain and what it does and the cool part about it is that there's really so much mystery in that because even as he's studying it, it's clear that we don't really know and that science is just trying to do its best to understand, but it's really such a mystical and powerful force that is truly healing and bonding. And so for me, reading that book, I feel like people that are really into music know that. You know, you feel it. You feel the connection with your friends. You feel the, the healing power it has if you feel sad and you listen to your favorite song, how it can make you happy or... If you feel like you need a boost, music can do all of these mm -hmm. things. So for me to read a book about that really just set off a whole um, whole chain reaction of importance around everything that, that I've been doing, having dedicated my life to music, and to see how really science backs the whole thing mm -hmm. up as well. But it's really also, he's so poetic too, because, you know, music is really, it's, it's, it's a much more HD way for us to communicate our emotions than words can even do. How did your fascination for virtual reality start? I got into VR through a friend of mine named Matt Davis who um, who's actually works on the Glitch Mob show. He, he's the show designer for all of the stuff behind the blade and a lot of the software. And he and I became really close. He works in, in VR, but um, mm -hmm. the real reason I became I became interested in VR is that in the same way that with making uh, video art apps it's really a, a cross-section of art and technology and, and it's, that's, that's very similar to what Glitch Mob does right it's like we we're just as much 
technicians as we are creatives because we have to know how to use Ableton and um, audio engineering software and techniques and programming and Max MSP and all this stuff. So I love anything that's at the intersection of art and technology and virtual reality is the, the, one of the most exciting pieces of that VR and AR because it's, it's a mixture of music and filmmaking and game design and creativity and philosophy and consciousness and all these things that I'm interested in, it really merges all of those. And because it's a burgeoning field right now, there's a lot of really interesting people that are going into VR to work. Um, and we have an opportunity right now, we're working on a VR um, experience for the new Glitch Mob record oh, wow. with our friend Dr. Strange Loop. So you'll be able to really actually so cool. get inside of the music and experience it from from the inside and it's very much like diving inside the world of music face yeah, first. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and then how about the post where you wrote that you think about death a lot? Mm, I do think about death a lot. I think there's a there's a um, term memento mori from, from Latin that is remember death and for me there's something about having death on your shoulder that makes you makes me appreciate life even more and I think it's something in our culture that we don't really have many ways to deal with. Other cultures, some other cultures do have other ways to deal with it or there's um, methodologies in church that makes you understand how to live and die and get married and all of these things that I didn't particularly grow up with. So for me, understanding, um, understanding death and, and just, just thinking about it and reading about it and especially with Eastern Eastern thought and the way that um, Buddhists approach it has been super fascinating and, and liberating for me. Mm -hmm. Are you religious? Um, not really, no. I'd say more of like a, a an atheist who leans Buddhist, mm -hmm. with like a secular Buddhist, I guess. Yeah. How has your relationship with the guys of Glitch Mob changed over time? Um, I would say that it's really just gotten so much um, deeper over time. We've We've spent so much time together in so many different capacities. We've traveled the world. We've had ups and downs and lefts and rights and, and started big projects together. And a creative relationship like that is so much more than just a business or, or a family even really. It's all these things mixed together. So we're all woven together in this, in this uh, musical fashion. Mm -hmm. How would you say you've grown as a person since when you were younger? That's a really good question. I would say, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, but over the past year, something that I realized in terms of growth is that, this will sound simple, but you can't change or fix other people. So once you yeah. understand that, life becomes a lot easier because you can't really change and fix anybody, so you let that go to accept people where they are and how they are in that moment. And that has been one of the hugest points of growth for me. What would you say have been your biggest challenges so far? Um, I would say biggest challenge in terms of, um, of music in particular is that because we, it's not really an exact roadmap for what we do. The biggest one that we've been talking about a lot lately is, is being out in the, the music world without a particular roadmap, which is a challenge that we accept and like, just in terms of, um, we all come from, a, from previous scenes, like in the drum and bass scene where I started in Jungle, 
time. You know what to do. There's a there's a, a ladder and there's a roadmap and there's a formula for it. And you do the thing. You make the particular sound and it's a, really a, a conversation. And with Glitch Mob, we're a little bit more out on um, on a, on our own, and we um, we like doing that. But there's a lot of creative challenges to taking so much risk and building a live show. It's very it's very risky. It crashes. The whole thing can be stressful. We do everything. We do everything ourselves, and this is not a complaint by any means. Like I love every minute of what we do um, because you know we we run our own label with our manager. We, um, we do pretty much everything in house, and we love being being DIY. But um, yeah, I mean it would be a lie to say that at times there are not challenges that come along with mixing art and business together. What does success look like to you? Success look to me looks like finding um, finding the overlap of what you love and what loves you back and what society needs, right? Because there's a, there's a I think it's dangerous to say that just do what you love because sometimes, I mean, I also, I really love cooking. Mm. I like making tacos. I really, really like making tacos, but I don't feel like for me, I'm quite good enough at it to have that be my full-time my full-time uh, job so I think that for me success is really um, it is doing doing what I love but really within the container of of what loved me back mm -hmm. um, and really just be getting success is getting to create stuff for me my particular vision of success is just getting to create stuff with my friends with people I I love and respect wherever that happens to be mm -hmm. I think that's a better answer what does love mean to you? What does love mean to me? Yeah. Love means... Um, I see love as the connective tissue in the, between all of us in the universe in, on Earth. Is, it's really the only thing that matters when everything comes down to it. And I think that's another thing as we're talking about getting close to death is that when it really gets down to it and people come to the, towards the end of their life, all they really think about is these relationships with the people that are close to them and um, you can look at life through the lens of, of love or I like to think of the Ram Dass term loving awareness for me really connects and even music is just a form it's just a, a, a it's a form of love that that is just in a in a different format last question what do you want to be remembered for I want to be remembered for being a, a loving individual. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of good music on the side. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. <laughs>